2: I'm Brady gone down by the depleted Steelers defense. Steelers fans are on an emotional high for a team that is two and four. That is quite an accomplishment. It is the Steelers fix and we're here to celebrate with you. My name is Andrew Wilbar alongside the legendary Jeremy Batch. Jeremy (laughs) doesn't sound like you had a whole lot of sleep over the weekend. Uh, You had quite a bit of events.
3: Yeah, man, We uh, so I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and we flew out, my wife and I, uh, and all the family from all over the country to Portland, Oregon, uh, to meet up for my brother's wedding, and it was a long night, Wednesday night, flew through the night to get there, um, and then on uh, Friday, well, I'm sorry, on Saturday night, see, I don't even know my days anymore, Man alive. On Saturday night, uh, this last weekend, I uh, we got on a plane in Portland at midnight and got back to Asheville, North Carolina at about um, one in, in the afternoon, Eastern time. So it was a, a day, and uh, so we're recording this on, uh, on Sunday night, and I have had no sleep for the last 36 hours. So uh, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be fun. Well, the one thing that has probably given enough
2: momentum to keep going without sleep is the fact that the Steelers did the impossible pulling <laughs> did, off man. the upside. I put something out on Twitter uh, on Sunday afternoon uh, on the behind the steel curtain, Twitter account. Like what is more embarrassing for Tom Brady this week, getting divorced or <laughs> losing to a Steelers team that is without TJ Watt, Minka and Fitzpatrick and all three starting cornerbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if there's a good answer to that one. I mean, the no, Steelers I mean, may have finally gotten to Tom Brady for the last time, but it sure. feels good knowing that, you know, if that is the last time the Steelers ever faced Tom Brady and to know that the Steelers beat him, that's just got to be a relief for not only Mike Talon, but just the Steelers fan base in general.
3: Oh, my heart is warm. Uh, I have all the tingles, all the feels going on. And, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those games where I just knew – the whole second half that Steelers were going to probably blow it, you know, and, and it, you know, a good fight would have was going to just be a a feel good part of the story, but no, they pulled out a win. And man, you've got to say that this defense showed up today. Like we haven't seen uh, since week one. And I'd say this is even more impressive than week one, week one, totally healthy on defense. And, you know, first game of the season, uh, you never know what you're going to get out of an opposing offense. The defense came in against a Tampa team that scored what 31 points against the Chiefs mm-hmm. the week prior or two weeks before. I can't remember which, uh, which week they played them, but this and came into into Shure Stadium and the Steelers defense minus four of their starting, uh, five, you know, in the secondary and TJ Watt and just totally held them in check. Uh, as far as scoring goes, especially really clamped down in the red zone, it was a beautiful thing to watch for sure.
2: It never gets old seeing a former Patriot lose. Well, on the other hand, a current Patriot, just a, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, Jeremy, but do we have a potential quarterback controversy in New England? Our boy Bailey, Zippin Zappy, our yeah. interviewee pre draft, is tearing it up in New England.
3: 24 of 34 for 309 yards or something like that and two, yards and two touchdowns yeah that is that's high level play uh and that's and the browns against are not the Cleveland browns, trash either yeah i mean the defense hasn't been great but i'm the the patriots are just so well coached on both sides of the ball right now and I there were some questions coming in this year about that but i think the way that they that ramondre stevenson is running right now and that offensive line is is grinding that it doesn't matter if it's Mac Jones or Bailey's happy back there. I mean, honestly, two guys that play a very similar style of football. And uh, you know, if you flip the coin on them, it's it's feels like a double-sided co- or a, you know what I mean? A double-sided coin he- heads on both sides, tails on both sides, whatever it is, you know, those guys are just playing. So, uh, so similar and Zappy to me, man, is another one of those guys that just oozes confidence and knows what he can do and he showed that today and uh obviously steelers podcast this is but as draft nerds and uh we got to interview this guy super the excited fact that him. he
2: beat the cleveland browns yes in the steelers division, that's that's
3: legitimate i th- at, for a second there i thought the steelers were going to be the only afc north team to come away with a victory and then the Bengals pulled one out at the end against the saints but hey we got the giants to thank and uh the bailey zappy patriots to thank and uh We got to take care of business down the road, but it was a good week for Steelers fans. It really was.
2: Speaking on good things, the Steelers defense, Mm. they, you mentioned it already, Jeremy, that they stepped up despite the injuries. Do you think that, I mean, the Steelers can't expect a performance like that every week, Mm. but What do you think was the biggest factor in the Steelers' success? Where did this? What do you believe was the most important part of the Steelers' success on defense? Was it the fact that you know Devin Bush seemed to come back and step up, seemed Mm. to revive himself? Uh, Was it uh, the play of the defensive line, Uh, or do you think it was just the guys in the secondary gelling enough to be able to? Cover well enough to hold a really good core of Tampa Bay wide receivers. I mean, well, is it was it just a complete group effort, or do you, mm. is there a certain area that you believe is the most responsible for the success?
3: Yeah, a total group effort. Nothing to take away from that um, side of the ball. They played together as a team, and they did it to near perfection against that cast of weapons, that group of guys led by the greatest um, defense dissector of all time. I think you could say that for sure even if maybe he's not the quarterback with the most arm talent ever or whatever tom brady knows how to dissect defenses and you thought going into this game that P, uh, james pierre and um you know some of those guys would be no match but i think a lot of it had to do with interior pressure larry Ogunjobi had himself a monster game against the uh against the bucks and just totally controlled the line of scrimmage uh, on those, on a lot of the passing plays, he and Cam Hayward were in the lap of, of or in the face of Tom Brady so much, and it just it really made the difference. I think for a secondary that needed that little bit extra from the front. But you know what? To me, we've been we've been harping on Mike Tomlin the last few weeks, giving him some grief because of some in-game stuff. You know, maybe not having done a- enough on the surface to prepare his team. Uh, for a year where they're probably going to have to fight a little bit harder to be relevant, but man, they fought today. And you've got to go back to the leadership in that building. Mike Tomlin is where it starts. Cam Hayward being fed up with how Buffalo went. Um, And even guys that aren't playing Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt being there, supporting their guys. Uh, But that all goes back to a, a culture that is instilled by the head coach. I don't care how good your quarterback is over a certain span of time the culture goes back to the head coach and uh, Mike Tomlin's got a culture there where they're, they're brothers and they play for each other. And you saw that today. I think
2: another guy who's got a little bit of heat this week was Terrell Austin uh, Mm. after the defensive performance and Bradley locker, even from behind the steel curtain, wrote an article, an interesting article um, about both coordinators, not just the offensive coordinator, but the defensive uh, play calling as well. And adding a little bit of heat to Terrell Austin, honestly, I think he, Austin may have read that article and taken it to the heart and <laughs> yeah. done something about that. I mean, it was phenomenally called, uh, yes. very, uh, surprising because this, we, we know how Tom Brady has picked apart the Steelers zone defense for mm-hmm. years. We know that the only teams that have really had success against them are guys that can man up on those receivers yeah. on those smaller receivers New England typically has and do right. something, but he mixed it up. He, uh, kept brady guessing um and they were able to do, make enough big plays to come away with the win
3: yeah and i think another thing that can't be understated is just the solid technical work by the guys on the boundary and you know anytime a, a bucks wide receiver would catch the ball in front of of a defender that defender was making the tackle and you didn't see a lot of broken missed tackles a lot of uh, escape ability from these pass catchers from Leonard Fournette. There were a couple times where he run o- he'd run over somebody, but guys were making tackles. And I think you can't understate the presence of Terrell Edmonds in the yes. back in the back end of that defense too, as a as a true enforcer, the most underrated Steeler on the on this roster, in my yes. opinion.
2: And really, when you think about it, the four Steelers that are egged more than any on the entire roster are Terrell Edmonds. Yep. Evan Bush, Woo. Mitch Trubisky, yeah, and Chase Claypool, Man. and all four of those guys were the ones who won the Steelers on Sunday. But without look,
3: any one of those guys, this is a is a loss. It really is, yeah, in my opinion. Really, yeah.
2: for real. And you know, I want to transition to the quarterback a little bit, and we'll get into who you go with at this point in a second. But yeah, I I literally got chills being just hearing for once the fans actually supporting Mitch yeah. Trubisky after getting booed, after getting egged after he extends for that one first down and gets the first down with his legs, it's like, I mean, that place is pumped. The fans yes. are loving it. And you yes. could just tell Trubisky, he just oozed a little bit of confidence. there. just in his steps. Yes. He's just like took command of that team for just a short time right there. That was, that was wonderful. I mean, it, nobody, I don't think anybody, even this biggest hater can complain with what he did. That was nearly flawless. The way he came in, even after that second and two, the bad snap by Mason Cole comes back zips in a beautiful pass to chase Claypool over the middle and then I uh, hit Claypool again on another crucial uh, play that uh, resulted in a big gain. Uh, so can't underestimate that. But what are your thoughts on Trubisky, Jeremy?
3: I thought he came in and was an absolute stud as a as the fill in guy, and you know the offense kind of kicked it into gear a little bit with him, where they had kind of gotten into a rut, and I think uh, that goes back to play calling too maybe they don't trust Pickett to push the ball down the field a little bit in some of those key um, scenarios, but they trusted Trubisky a little bit more. It looked like, and I think it was two third and sixteens or third and fifteens where Chase Claypool comes up with a massive 17 yard reception and uh, in traffic too. I mean, we, we knocked the guy for not being able to catch in traffic, but he bodied up some guys in the middle of the field and, when you've got a guy like Chase Claypool who you've seen struggle on the perimeter, uh catching those 50-50 balls, what better way to to instill some confidence than let him use his his power forward uh body size in the middle of the field to uh to work the defense over? And I think you saw that, and that's a good defensive backfield, too, uh, that the uh Buccaneers boast. And so um got to hand it to Kenny Pickett in the in the first quarter. Uh, he definitely had command of the offense. I thought that Matt Canada called a game, good game in the first quarter and then went ultra conservative when he saw that the defense was playing pretty well. Um, but when you needed it most at the end of the game, Trubisky was the one that was there and uh, Trubisky made the plays, got to hand it to to him. And you got to hand it to Matt Canada too, uh, putting guys in position in the middle of the field um, to, and not throwing short of the sticks on third and 15, not running a screen pass you know, pushing the ball down the field when you knew you can't get the ball back to Tom Brady in this situation. He's going to come down and kick a field goal and you're going to lose by one point. Got to to win the game on offense.
2: Most definitely. This is the point where we got to get to the question. It's going to come out at some point, Jeremy, I guess this has become a big talking point on social media. Hmm. What do you do? You have one side that's like, can he? You, you you put him back in there if he's healthy yeah. to go. If he's ready to go on again for the Dolphins next Sunday night. Or there's the other side that says if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Stick with Trubisky while it's working. And then you, but you also have to put into account. And this is something I forgot to mention that I wanted to mention earlier. Isn't that funny how whenever the Steelers' offense and this goes back to the days of Ben Roethlisberger, especially even last year, mm-hmm. when the Steelers go up tempo and the quarterback has more mm-hmm. freedom and the offensive coordinator has less say in it. Yes. The team always seems to do better. Jeremy, why are we not running always. more fast, up-tempo offense, more no huddle? The, when Trubisky did well, it seemed like he had more. Yeah. The steam was moving. They were moving faster. They were getting up to the line quicker. I think that's. I think that exposes Matt, Matt, Can- Matt Cannon being the issue with both
3: quarterbacks. When both quarterbacks have struggled at times, I believe Matt Cannon is the one who's most responsible for it. Yeah. Yeah. You- I think you got to come in here and Chip Kelly the mess out of this thing. You know, yeah. just just uh, you know, run run with speed all game long. And I know, you know, the the thought is you don't want to expose your defense. And in this, at the end of the first half, you saw that kind of backfire as well. Um, when you weren't converting, but if it's working right, if you've got a couple drives in a row where it is working, stick with it till it doesn't, and then maybe you gotta you gotta figure out, up something out. Uh, or figure out something, you know, to make it work. But um, absolutely, it needs to happen more than at the end of the first half and at the end of the second half. You know, it's got to happen right. uh, more in the, in the middle of the game. And you're right. When, when these guys get up to the line of scrimmage and they're able to call their own plays, call their own shots, uh, call their own hot routes on some of these um, and make the check at the line of scrimmage whether the, it, the defense looks like we can run on this one or we can, we can set it to pass, both quarterbacks are taking advantage of that in those situations. Yeah, and I think the biggest
2: thing with, that fans get on about Mike Tomlin is the fact that he d- is afraid to get away from his regular game plan. When mm-hmm. something is working, he is too afraid to stick with it. He wants to get back to what he's most comfortable with. And I think that's what's caused the Steelers' uh, teams in the past to have a limited ceiling despite the talent that they had to you know completely yeah. dominate teams. Back to Todd Haley, even Uh, the Steelers were even capable of more on offense, I believe. And I think most Steelers fans would agree. It's just, I think overall, Tomlin has a say of not necessarily the play calling, but the way he wants a game called how conservative, Mm -hmm. how aggressive. And I think that's the big killer for a lot of Steelers fans, including myself. I I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more aggressiveness, a little bit more forwardness in the game plan, especially in a year when you're two and four, you don't have a whole lot to lose right now. Right. Other than draft, other than draft position.
3: Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, I loved it that on the opening drive of the game that Mike Tomlin went for it down on in their end, um, you know, with seven points or three points on the line, trusting your guys to make a play, uh, and they got it done. And you know that you could go back to even that moment as a critical call for the entire game and so not living in your fears in that moment not saying we've got boss let's take the points saying you know what let's get an opening drive touchdown we've done this much let's do it and they they did it and i love that so some of that aggression was there but you're right a lot of times it does feel like when this staff uh puts a game plan in place and, and obviously you believe in your game plan if that's what you're putting in place you know before the game but once they hit the second quarter, and you realize, ooh, this isn't working. They've done some things that we weren't expecting. Uh, I just don't see that much in the way of adjustment being made. But going back to your question, who do you go with, Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky moving forward? Obviously, you got to check the health of, of Pickett. There's, with this, I would say there's no need to rush him back. Right? If if it's like uh, he could probably clear concussion protocol on Saturday and and maybe play Sunday night you know, maybe you give him a week to make sure he's right, not risk mm-hmm. your first round quarterback to right. have, um, a, Tua, a, uh, tongue type, uh, two game stretch, you know, but I think if he is back to a hundred percent, you got to put him back in. You can't go away from it at this point. You just can't. I'm I'm a firm believer in that. And, um, unless, you know, he were to come back in and, and just, and it just doesn't work, doesn't work, uh, for multiple games in a row Uh, that might be the only way but i don't see that happening
2: and even if it doesn't work for those many games i feel at that point you'd it almost be the more you'd want to leave them in just to get a true read you know if the Steelers are struggling and doing bad We've got to get as quick of a read as we can on this guy. Do we need to pull an Arizona Cardinals and after drafting Josh yeah. Rosen, go after their Kyler Murray? I don't anticipate that happening. I don't think it will happen. But I think it's something that if the Steelers were to struggle the next couple weeks, I think that'd be something the Steelers would have to consider. But I agree with you. I think you go with Pickett at this point. Um, yeah. It was I, I would love to see Trubisky have an opportunity with more freedom in the offense to do what he wants, um, and just Matt Cannon not get any involved uh but if you do that the danger is now you're also wrecking kenny pickett's comes. it's the same thing we talked yep. about with Mitch Trubisky. when you take him out you're proving that you do not trust in him yep. when you take out kenny pickett you're proving that you do not trust in him or at least is <clears throat> at least right now obviously yep. you draft it so r-
3: it's one thing to do that to your bridge quarterback it's another thing to do that to who you hope is a future cornerstone foundational piece right. for success down the road. Yeah. Exactly. And one other thing I wanted to mention about this game. We saw it. We really did. George Pickens played wide receiver one snaps and uh was was defended as the wide receiver one in this offense. And what did that do? It opened up for Chase Claypool. It opened up for Deontay Johnson even some as well who had a really good game himself made some pretty spectacular catches to extend some drives. Um, I think you got to keep doing that. You got to keep letting, let George Pickens take the double teams and the bracket coverages. And uh, it helped. It really did. I think he can, as he grows into his role and as he gets, uh, uh, learns the route tree better and gets to be a little bit better there, he'll take advantage and still be a top level talent there. But um, his role being switched up a little bit this week and him taking more of that, I'm the dog out here. Cover me with all your guys. And, and, you know, let these other guys uh, do their work. That was fantastic. And when Pat Fryermuth comes back, I think that that will add another dimension to this offense. You gotta you be concerned? excited. There's, there's hope. <laughs> Definitely. Are you concerned though about
2: Fryermuth being the third concussion that he's had just in two years?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it's maybe 10 years ago. You're probably not thinking about it as a, as a deal where it's like, oh man, he just had another concussion. It's not like he tore another ligament, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not something you take lightly. So um, if it takes a little bit, um, you know, Connor Hayward and, and uh, Zach Gentry did a good job today. They played well. I thought they both blocked well, and that was a big deal. Um, uh, And on that final drive, especially the second half where they ran out the clock, it was, it was a good show. Most definitely.
2: Well, Steelers fans, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to forego the two-minute drills today because one of which is NFL Draft Talk, which is what we're going to be talking about. Last week, we gave you the five team needs, the five biggest team needs on the Steelers. Well, this week, we're going to fit players in to those positions, players that you should be watching for the remainder of the season because next year, they could be wearing black and gold. So stay tuned because we will be right back after this. Another day
0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: And
2: welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts back with you once again talking NFL draft. One of Jeremy and I's favorite conversations to have. Jeremy, last week, just as a recap, Mm -hmm. your top five needs for the Steelers were edge rusher, corner, interior defensive line, offensive tackle, and guard going from top to bottom. My top Mm -hmm. five needs were offensive tackle, boundary corner, nose tackle, slot corner, and guard as well. So Jeremy, we started at the bottom last week. So let's start with you again with number five, who's an mm-hmm. interior lineman prospect or a guard prospect guy. You think they could play guard at the next level, even if he isn't right now, yep. but a guy who uh, you believe could be a fit with the Steelers team. If the team chooses to move on from Kevin Dotson and Kendrick green.
3: Yeah. um a guy I've, I've been keeping an eye on uh, out here in the Carolinas. We, keep track of all of our small Carolina schools and uh, one of those is coastal Carolina and they've got uh, an offensive lineman named Willie Lampkin who is he's one of these types of players that plays the game super technically sound but has the physical attributes to grow into to potentially be a physical specimen to go along with the technical uh, side of things. Six foot six, but right now only 295 pounds in a six foot six frame. And he's still a feisty uh, competitor in the run game. He's much, he's much stronger at this point in his, in his development, uh, pushing the pile, um, working in run blocking, which is what I think the Steelers really need is a guy on the interior. That's just a mauler. And uh, I think you get a guy like Willie Lampkin on a, a pro eating routine, a pro weightlifting routine, and he'll put on another 20 pounds. And that guy is a, a just a mauler in the in the middle of the field. So Willie Lampkin, if you get a chance to watch uh, some of him just driving uh, defensive tackles back in, obviously, smaller schools that he's playing, uh, but he, he does a really good job of dominating his competition. Uh, he's a guy I've been keeping my eye on.
2: I'm not super familiar with Lampkin, but – Everything you say sounds really intriguing. It'll be interesting to see if Coastal Carolina, if they have a couple interesting games down the stretch, he's a guy that I'm definitely uh, going to want to keep a close eye on. Uh, two guys that I'll mention uh, Osiris Torrance, a very intriguing guy from Florida, mm, six foot yeah. five, 335 pounds. He actually is a pretty good mover. He has decent footwork for a big lineman, but he's, of course, with that size, you know he's going to have some power in the run game. He does a great job getting to the second level of the defense. Um, I'm curious to see uh, where his draft, where he will actually be drafted. Right now, I get the feeling he's going to be probably a day two pick, uh, which could be perfect for the Steelers when you look at just the way the draft could shake out. Um, if the Steelers choose not to address one of their top needs, um, that could allow guard to slide in as one of those things they address in the first two days. About uh, Cyrus Torrance, one, and then another guy, Zach Zinter, uh, from the University of Michigan. If you paid attention to any of college football, one of the best running backs in the country this year has been Blake Corum, but he has yes. not been doing it by himself. It has been that offensive line, just like last year when Hassan Haskins was tearing it up. That offensive line has done a phenomenal job under Sharon Moore. And Zach Zinter has been one of those key pieces. Hayes and Zinter – and then don't let's not forget about Oluwatimi, who could probably play guard at the next level as well. But the transfer from Virginia, who was, I believe, a finalist for the Remington Trophy, uh, transferred to Michigan, has done a phenomenal job at center as well. So either of those guys, Oluwatimi or Zach Zinter, uh, Zinter's playing guard right now, 6'5", 322, uh, has some technical things he needs to work on, uh, but a lot of raw traits there to work with. I think he's going to be a solid lineman at the next level if he becomes if he goes to a team with the right system. Definitely going to be a system fit, though. Um, but moving on to number four, Jeremy, offensive tackle was where you're at. Now, I have offensive tackle at the top, but regardless mm-hmm. of where it is, we all know that there's a lot of different prospects at this position in the draft. Yes. The ones that are really good are going to rise to the top. There may be one, and I mentioned this out on Twitter, for those who don't remember back to 2020, I don't know if you, you were... Were you on the Christian Darisaw train, Jeremy, that year?
3: Um, You know recognize him as a good player i just didn't know if it was uh, the biggest need for the steelers at the time so i I, it wasn't something i was like we need him or bust you know
2: (laughs) yeah i was a little concerned after his rookie year where you Mm. know there were some ups and downs i was a little bit concerned because he was i mean i love the guy the steelers i believe had an opportunity to trade up with indianapolis colts they were looking to move back i believe they ended up drafting quiddy pay out of michigan uh but they probably could have gotten him a little bit lower than that they had they We know Chris Ballard likes to try and find ways to move down. That's what he's done since he's been at Indiana. He believes Mm -hmm. in quantity of those draft picks. Uh, So I believe the Steelers could have gotten a move up there for, you know, what, maybe a fourth round pick. Yeah. Um, Christian Derrissaw has become a beast this year for the Minnesota Vikings. He and Brian O'Neill together, maybe been the best tackle tandem in the NFL uh, this year for the Minnesota Vikings. And they've been doing phenomenal on that line uh been a great fit with um o- o'Connell's uh defense or o'Connell's offensive scheme. Um and he has been a huge help to the running game and passing game. Uh mm. the Steelers need to get a key piece like that. What's a guy yeah that you believe, regardless of where the Steelers are drafting, if they're drafting high, great. But if they're not, there's a guy that you mentioned here that is a very intriguing piece. Tell us a little bit about him and why he could make a little bit of sense for the Steelers.
3: Yeah. Darnell Wright from Tennessee, uh Talk about a guy who just jumps off the off the tape just for his size when you just turn on the tape. Right tackle is what he's playing for Tennessee right now. And uh, Tennessee versus Alabama was the marquee game this last week, right? This Tennessee O-line allowed one sack and two tackles for loss to this Alabama front seven. That's impressive mm-hmm. play. And a lot of that had to do with, the two booking guys, one of them, who's a sophomore on the left side, I can't remember uh, his name off the top of my head, but um, Darnell Wright on the on the from the right tackle spot just shut down the edge uh, for Alabama. They got nothing on that side, and you know one of these guys too that um, right now he's slotted in at, at right tackle because he's so big and his movement skills are not quite where you'd want him to be um but a guy if you could uh if you could work on his his fundamentals and his movement he's got the the length to play left tackle he's got the size to be elite they're six foot seven three thirty five he's a massive dude and uh, a guy that you know has has played big time ball now for a couple years uh, a senior uh, on this team uh, a guy that the Steelers could look at to bring in with some leadership capabilities already. He's the leader of that offensive line and uh, you know, a guy that could step in and um, play the right side, maybe allow a guy like um, you know, Chukes to move over to left tackle. Like we talked about a little bit last week, we talked about that, but uh, you know, even a guy who could come in and play some guard right away um, you know, and move out to the tackle position at some point as well, a versatile piece just because he's so big, such a, a, a long, lengthy player there. Uh Darnell Wright's a guy I'm keeping my eyes.
2: Yeah, I like Wright. Um he sometimes gets a little bit slow out of a stance, yes. but when he can get out and you know mirror that defender on the outside, you know, he can contend with the best of them. And I think yep. we saw a little bit of that on Saturday against Alabama. Um it's slot corner for me. That was uh, my number four position. Uh, of Mm -hmm. need for the Steelers. Clark Phillips is a guy who's been tearing it up this year. uh, Has had several incredible interceptions. He's got tremendous ball skills. He has speed. He's very smart, knowledgeable about the game. Uh, He's got it all. I think right now, he's probably trending toward becoming a first-round pick. But if he were to fall to the second-round pick, let's say the Steelers do indeed get a top-10 pick in the draft next year. If the Steelers get that and Clark Phillips is still sitting there say around pick 40, that would be a difficult guy to pass on if he's there at that point the Steelers the slot is a joke regardless of who's in there Cameron (laughs) Sutton Trey Norwood
3: are uh help us Arthur Millette.
2: um hey
3: he made some good tackles in the backfield today but still coverage was an issue yeah very much very (laughs) much so
2: um yeah let's let's just please Omar Khan do us a favor and just move on from Arthur Millette. it is long past time to go but uh Clark Phillips has got to keep an eye on another one. If you like guys with bloodlines, Stephen Gilmore, the brother of Patriots corner, Stefan yes. Gilmore. He's a little bit smaller, a little bit different mm-hmm. build, but you can see some similar traits in his game. The way that they can go stride for stride down the field with opposing receivers. He has some inside outside versatility. I think until he adds a little bit more weight, he's going to be stuck on the slot in the yeah. slot in the NFL. Uh, but he's a guy who can make some big plays in the slot. He can do a little bit of everything. He can he's come got good field. hands. He, he can cover. Yeah. He's got some ball skills. Um, he's really well, good. He, I, was,
3: I meant more along the lines of at the point of attack on the line yes. of scrimmage, he's got good hands. He knows how to yes. get the wide receivers yes. locked up there. So He's feisty. Yeah. He's got mm-hmm. some
2: feistiness for a little guy. That's something you want in the slot, especially in today's day and age. Uh, so I like both those guys. Moving to number three, um, interior defensive line was what you had. We were yes. kind of both went with interior defensive line. I went with specifically nose tackle, but uh, Jeremy, you've got a guy who's got a lot of draft pundits intrigued yeah uh who do you go with
3: (coughs) excuse me well this kind of falls along the the line of thinking you know if the Steelers have just a really rough year they end up with a top five top 10 pick maybe a guy like this with the quarterback class coming out right that there's going to be some quarterbacks taken early in this draft um you're talking about some really bad teams that are going to be needing it the Panthers the Texans um, you know, so you're going to see quarterbacks go early, maybe a guy like Jalen Carter out of Georgia. I don't know. He gets talked about a lot. So you're probably like, yeah, Jeremy, we know about Jalen Carter, but do you, have you watched the guy play? I mean, he's been playing hurt this year and he's still the best defender on that front seven for a really good Georgia defense. And, uh, his sideline to sideline ability, um, f- as a defensive tackle is, is next level. I mean, he could, he could stop playing, stop uh, the college game and jump right into a pro scheme and be just fine yesterday, you know? And I think that he's got the chance to be really special and a a guy who can just take over defenses. Like, I'm not saying he'd be the next Aaron Donald, but a guy like Aaron Donald, a guy like Cam Hayward, he's got that potential. And honestly, uh, uh, more of an athlete than a cam hayward or a, a or a cam jordan type player that um you know he's he could even bounce out like we've seen leal do a couple times get on the edge um as a down defender i think he could he could even do that some versatility there and just his ability to get off blocks um running backs when they run to his side they're they're looking for the cutback lane every time uh and even still it doesn't always work so you know watch this guy from georgia if you're if you if watch sec football and maybe you're not a Georgia fan Uh, just turn on some of this guy's tape and he, just watch him wreck offensive linemen it's it's incredible to watch
2: most definitely I, I love Jalen Carter Um, it knows tackle I love if you can find me a guy who's over 330 pounds yeah and has pass rush ability write it in the box I'm gonna have interest every single time the Steelers need to get back to that old school nose tackle side. Cause it, the Steelers you, there's only so much you can do in run defense when you have two undersized inside linebackers and you don't have a true nose tackle on the team. Hmm. Tyson Alala did good in that role and he did good against the run. Javon Hargrave continued to improve in that role before him, but it's still not the same as having that two gap space eater. And if you can get some little pass rush ability, even better. Yeah. Um, but it does so much. I know it doesn't sound like an interesting position, but watching the big guys are fun, especially when yeah. you get guys who can stay down for all three downs. I'm going to give you some guys that are capable of that. One is Siaki Ika uh, from Baylor. His production's been a little bit down this year. has me a little bit concerned, but keep an eye on him throughout the rest of the year. There's Baylor's still gonna have a couple challenging games ahead on their schedule. Um s- see how he performs, see if he can come away with a couple sacks, a couple pressures. Um, he did good against a couple cupcakes earlier in the year. But let's see how he does when uh the schedule gets really tough. Have some good athleticism had some good sack production last year and pass rush production. But the guy that I'm loving just as a Michigan fan right now is Mozzie Smith. Mm -hmm. Penn State has been running the ball down teams' throats as of late. They got stoned. I don't know if you saw any of that game, Jeremy. I know you were busy on Saturdays. Probably not. But that, (laughs) that game, Penn State could not run the ball. Mozzie Smith was a menace there. You didn't see him get to the backfield a whole lot. But just his ability to stop the run, it kept Penn State going to th- third and long, which turned into three and out. And that, I mean, really, outside of a couple big plays, it was even worse of a blowout than 41 to 17. Penn State could not do anything in the run game for the most part outside of that big 60 yard run by Clifford. I mean, th- th- Smith is the guy. It's over, I believe he's six foot three, 337 pounds, named the number one freak athlete in the country by uh, Bruce Feldman. Uh, which is obviously something noteworthy some fans will appreciate, yep. uh, but keep an eye on him. This guy's going to test out outrageously. You're talking a guy at 337 pounds. You could have like a 36, 37-inch vertical. I mean, that's
3: that's unheard of. Right. Um, that's insane. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Ke- yeah, just keep an eye on him. And then Omari Thomas is another guy from Tennessee. Production's also been down a little bit, but a guy who has some potential. Yep. Um, maybe best suited in a 4-3 still as a three-tech, um, but he has the frame to be able to add a little bit more weight. He's already in the three, around the 325 range. So keep an eye and see if he can add a little bit more weight. But, uh, Jeremy, we've got two positions left. Let's get into those before we head on out. Corner is another position that we talked a lot about even in the first segment, especially with the Steelers' current injuries at corner. Mm. But we even talked about how the tackling and the fundamentals may have been better without the starting guys, and that just uh, just is showing how bad the starting guys in some facets (laughs) they've been. I mean, Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a guy that you mentioned that I didn't have on my list, but a guy who's very intriguing. I mentioned him earlier in the year in one of the yeah. um, draft spotlight articles. Um, who do you got at corner?
3: Uh so he's an outside guy. Um, he runs really well. Um, but he's a <clears throat> excuse me, he's a long, lanky corner with a lot of athleticism, 6'2", 205 hundred and five pound cornerback out of Texas AM, Jalen Jones. Uh plays in an SEC um defense. Uh, uh, plays against a lot of high quality receivers and really does a good job holding his own. Not as technically sound as you'd want him to be, um, as a, I believe he's a junior. I forgot to, to see, um, what he is specifically, a junior or senior though. Um, but all the physical traits are absolutely there and it, it's going to make, uh, GMs uh, and coaches uh, it's going to make their mouths water a little bit to see what he could do with that six foot two frame. And uh, he runs low four fours. I mean, the guy's got everything you want out of a potential lockdown corner on the outside just needs to refine his technique a little bit. And he can also play a little bit uh, of man or zone, depending on what you're uh, asking him to do although i believe he's a little bit better as a man cornerback at this point in his career so uh something to keep an eye on but for a team that um you kind of run him with just a bunch of like okay players at the position you know having a guy who could lock down a side um would totally change the outlook for the secondary in a huge way and could potentially um mitigate some of the issues up front that we've seen the last couple of years, maybe allow a guy like DeMarvin Leal or uh, Isaiah Loudermilk to grow into their role a little bit better. If you could find somebody um, to just jump in and and lock down a side, talk about a guy like sauce Gardner, who was more of a generational type cornerback prospect coming out, you know, a guy that with that length and that speed and just that, that savvy in his game uh, has made such a huge difference for the jets in just year one. you know, a guy like Jalen Jones, if he if he can get more technically sound, if he can, can be coached up, he could be a guy that could do that for a team like the Steelers who needs help in this area. And he wouldn't cost you uh, a top 10 pick.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've said before how I love how the corner class is shaping out to be. Yes. Um, Joey Porter Jr., mm-hmm. DJ Turner, guys we've talked about before, guys that they, they just look like NFL corners on the outside. Yes. I'm Joey mean-
3: Porter Jr. just is a tenacious guy on the outside. Uh, they, got, they got beat up um, by Michigan this last week, but I I wouldn't say he was part of the problem. They just kind of got run over. Yeah, over it, it was
2: that running game, and that, yeah. uh, it, it, it's incredible what mm-hmm. that offensive line has done for the University of Michigan. Um, but Porter as well, yeah, I, the only concern with him is that he does get a little grabby at times. NFL officials are sometimes a little bit more picky about some of those things. Um, But I like the fact that he's feisty. I like his aggressiveness. I like that play style. Uh, But again, he's not a guy that, you know, you want to be playing too much off coverage. He's capable of playing it. He has the ability to, but he's a guy you want locking down that guy one-on-one on on an Island with number one receivers. Um, But that, again, that comes down to scheming. I think Mike Tomlin's a big reason why the Steelers haven't played man defense, but I digress. Uh, DJ Turner, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi state. Another guy who's impressed had some big plays this year yeah. for them. He's a big part of their defensive success. They're having cam Smith and Keely Ringo are kind of the two known names at the top. Yes. Um, Ringo having a good year. Um, I wouldn't say excellent by any stretch cam Smith, not doing enough to really have a huge effect on his defense. Cause the rest of it is really bad for the most part. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it, it it'll take a little bit more time. The sec, I wait until later in the year once everybody's beaten up on everybody. Let's see who rises to the top. I think Jalen Jones and Emmanuel Forbes are the two guys I would have uh, trending upward, not as high on the draft board as Kim Smith and Keeley Ringo, but guys who I believe are trending upward and could get into that same tier if their yes. success continues. But moving on to number one, Jeremy, before we get on out of here, you said edge rusher you believe is the biggest need for the current Steelers team.
3: Yeah. Who's the solution? All right. So... I'm looking at guys who play kind of a, a a three four or have the ability to stand up uh, on the edge, and uh, I look at another uh, Georgia defender, a guy like Nolan Smith, who is just a, a bullet off the edge. And um, if you look at, I mean, if you look at edge rushers, you can see guys who are technicians and guys who are, um, you know, just straight power rushers. I think of Bud Dupree, who was just like a power rusher off the edge. You knew yep. you were, what you were getting out of him. TJ Watt was a technician coming out of college. This guy is just, I'm going to line up and I'm going to beat you around the edge. It doesn't matter how quick your feet are. It doesn't matter how how long of a reach you have. I'm going to beat you to the edge. Um, Jalen Carter uh, just gets to the edge. And then with that, his um, spin move back inside is really nice as well. He's got a couple different moves. Needs to work on that a little bit. Uh, but the explosiveness is definitely there. The want to is definitely there. And I added a second guy too. Um, a guy from a school that doesn't get a lot of clout when it comes to uh, draft prospects, but a guy out of army, Andre Carter, six foot seven, 260 pounds. And this guy uh, can move off the edge and he stands up. He gets down in a three-point. Um, he drops back into coverage. He plays a lot of different roles for Army, and he is uh, he's he's rising up draft boards quickly this year. And uh, um, hasn't really had that standout game quite yet, but he's made some impact plays that have just been ridiculous. Um, and you can see that that his size and his his tenacity uh, just jump out off the page so maybe a guy that you know if you're the Steelers you know you typically have um, a guy that you you look for a a physical or a certain physique or a certain style that you look for if they want to break out of that mold a little bit and just go get a specimen off the edge you know this guy could be uh, somebody to take a look at and he plays like I said uh, a style that would fit with what the Steelers do in their 3-4 defense.
2: Yeah, when you think of 6'7", that is the phenomenal length for an edge rusher. And you always have that concern about pad level and stuff like that. But so far, he's done a pretty good job against the run and defending the edge as well. Um, So he's definitely a guy has got a lot of upside. Keep an eye on both those guys. I love me some Nolan Smith as well. Um, Just great bend around the edge, great quickness. Um, Love him. For me, offensive tackle is the biggest need. I'm going to give you some names. And I can dive into him today. If you want more on Peter Skoronsky, go and go to Bradley Locker on Twitter. Bug him on Twitter. He's our Northwestern guy. He's going to be pumping him up as we get closer to the draft. Um, but Skoronsky doesn't have the incredible length, but neither did Rashawn Slater, uh, one of his predecessors, uh, who's yes. doing just fine when healthy for the Los Angeles Chargers. Right. Uh, so he's arguably the top offensive lineman in this draft. Paris Johnson's right up there with him, uh, done a great job on that line, kind of the attention has kind of gotten off him in terms of the draft circles, but uh, his play really hasn't uh, regressed at all. Let's see how he does when he has to go against Michigan. And then if they win that in the big 10 championship game, and then moving to the college football playoff, let's see when he's really tested. Yep. Um, Cause he really hasn't gotten a whole lot of competition this year so far, but Jalen Duncan is the guy to keep an eye on. I saw a mock draft today or a couple days ago from the draft network, which had him going third overall, I believe to like the Whoa. Chicago bears um Sheesh. i don't know if he's gonna go that high i don't think he will but he is having a phenomenal season i mentioned him last year as a guy the Steelers should have targeted it before he decided to return to school which is obviously mm-hmm. a good decision for him but this guy i was really high on last year did a great job um in the big Ten some stiff competition held up yeah. well against them and he, he's doing
3: even better this year he's gonna test out uh, off yes. the charts too and that's gonna help his stock so i can see what what they're talking about after the the pre-draft uh you know Mm -hmm. workouts and everything that they go through he could rise real quick
2: yeah i haven't you know finalized my offensive tackle valuations by any stretch so this could all change but right now he there's a good chance i said there's at least a 50 percent chance he is my christian derisaw this year okay he's my guy that i may end up just calling my boy um so we'll see we'll see if that happens as time goes on then broderick jones the other guy to keep an eye on from georgia those are kind of your top names to watch at that position um but jeremy we covered quite a bit of ground um in a short period of time uh i guess we'll do this again next week um hopefully we'll be discussing another Steelers victory
3: yeah hopefully and hopefully i'll be a little more awake i apologize if my voice has been uh uh showing my tiredness but i am exhausted man it is it is crazy (laughs) i'm ready for bed (laughs) yeah I've it's, it's been difficult the past week or so to get up
2: for school. And this week is midterms. Mm. Um, So it's got to get be, up for those. It's, it's going to be a long week. So yeah. we'll see what happens, but thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all of you. Who listen, follow Jeremy at the bets. 93, follow me at Andrew underscore Willbar. That's going to do it all for today. And be sure to check out all the behind the steel curtain podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, today we always plug the um, cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict. And of course uh, the Scobro show, which can be seen Tuesday night on YouTube. And will be, Out not long after on all your podcast platforms be sure to go and check those guys out they do a phenomenal job let's ride on every monday wednesday and friday with jeff hartman steelers stat geek on thursday with dave schofield there's something for everybody so make sure you're checking out all these podcasts we guarantee that you will not come away disappointed we thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week on the steelers fix
1: at LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void rope prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two.